shareyourstory.cc. That's the website where you can go, created by Scott and Sherry Jennings, uh, on staff here at the church. You can go to that website and share your story. Guys, give me just a little bit more lights in the house, and let's have uh, Russ and Kathy stand up and just wave at you there in the service today. Russ and Kathy are somewhere. Where are they? I'm back there. All right. Bless you guys. We love you. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, you think that took some courage to tell that story? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, how many veterans have we got in the house this morning? Will you guys and gals stand to your feet and let us see you? All our vets, stand up. Let us see you. Let's give it up now. Come on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. We would not be able to have church in here today and sing songs to Jesus and preach from the Bible if it were not for those who have protected that freedom. And we thank those who have served and are serving and, and will serve. Um, it uh, saddens me today to tell you that a family that's been in our church for several years now it's going to be moving up north, which I consider that to be a mission field, actually. And uh, we just love them very much. The Lanics are here today. Will you guys stand up? Uh, Brian and Kim and Abby are here today, and they also have a daughter, daughter named uh, uh, Kayla, and she's not with them. Can we just say how much we love them, and they're going to be heading up to Ohio? And uh, thank you guys, we love you very much. And uh, we believe God has some special plans. We're not gonna talk about those right now, but stuff's happening, stuff's in the works. And uh, Brian is an ordained minister and called to be a pastor and uh, took a little uh, sabbatical from that and uh, it could be that God's uh, setting it up for him to get back in the ministry and I'm very excited for him and his family. We love you guys very much. We're gonna miss you so much and I'm hoping tomorrow night you're gonna get to take me out to eat. So um, I'm there for you, brother, amen. Now, sometimes I'll tell you guys to repeat stuff after me and then the first time it just isn't that great. Now, isn't that true? Because I think you're not ready, so I'm getting you ready. Are y'all ready now? Y'all ready? So I'm going to say something. You're going to say it back, and we're going to say it loud. We're, matter of fact, what we're going to do, we're just going to respond to this so well today, we're going to make Satan tremble in his boots, okay? I have a story. I have a story. God gave it to me, it and he expects me to tell it. Let's do it one more time. I have a story. Have a story. God gave it to me, it. and he expects me to tell it. Whether you believe it or not, you have an amazing story. If you have received Christ as your personal Savior, you have an amazing story. And it would surprise you to know how many lives would be impacted. If you would sit down with a pad and pen or sit down with a computer or sit down with one of these. Anybody still got one of these? <laughs> I've got a bunch of sermons in my file that I typed on one of those right there. Thank God for whiteout, amen. Y'all remember the little things you could put back there and hit, and it would just make it go. It was like the blood of Jesus, man. It just erased all your mistakes. And then computers came along, but we want you to work on it. We want you to work on your story. Every one of you have a story. Now, you just said it. Every one of you, I saw you said, I have a story. So you've already admitted that, and you've already admitted that God gave it to you. I heard you when you said it, and you already said that he expects you to tell it. So we're not living in ignorance anymore. We got a story God gave it to us. He wants us to tell it. He wants you to develop it and tell it. And your story will get better as you tell it. 
It will get more powerful as you tell it. It will, uh, you remember details as you develop it and tell it. God uses people to impact people. Do you understand God doesn't need us? He doesn't need us, but he loves us so much that he included us in this whole thing of getting the message out about him. And one of the greatest stories or one of the greatest ways to get the message out about him is to tell people what he's done for you. Tell them, tell them what he has done in your life. Last week, we talked about the power of your story. For your story to be powerful, you gotta believe it's powerful. You gotta believe it is. You know, we hear these stories, amazing stories of these people who came out of dark, dark backgrounds into the light, and we think our story doesn't really have uh, that much power, but you have to understand that there are people who are gonna be touched by your story who won't be touched by that story you're so impressed by. There are people who are gonna be touched by your story who aren't even gonna be touched by a sermon that I preach. You are a preacher. You are a prophet. You are called. The day you gave your heart to Jesus, coming along with that was a call to go tell. Go tell. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. One of the best ways to preach the gospel is to tell people what the cross of Jesus did for you. Tell people what the resurrection of Jesus did for you. Your story is powerful. Jesus was the greatest teacher ever. And he constantly used stories to teach. He knew how to impact lives. He knew how to change lives. And his primary method of teaching the word of God was to tell stories. Let's look at it in Matthew 13, 34. We read this last week. The Bible says Jesus how often? Always used what? And illustrations like these when he was speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables, illustrations, and stories. Jesus used stories to bridge the kingdom of God with humanity. Now, guys, I'm battling just a little bit of a cold here today, so I'm going to take some time out from time to time, clear my throat. And uh, you, you remember how I had that problem one time before, and that gave us all a chance to do it? You remember that? So let's all just clear our throat right now. Good grief. This place is filled with germs now. <laughs> Protect us, Jesus. Cover us with your precious blood today. All right, so, so Jesus used stories to bridge the kingdom of God to humanity. Why? Because humanity is separated from the kingdom of God in the Garden of Eden. Man got started pretty early on creating that separation, didn't he? We're separated from God. When you were born into this world, you were not born in fellowship with God. You were born alienated from God. You're born separated from God. So Jesus, when he taught the word, when he taught the Old Testament, when he brought forth new infallible word uh, from his mouth, he would use stories to illustrate it because he knew that was a powerful, impactful way to connect humanity, lost humanity, to the eternal kingdom of God. He would use this connection, or make this connection rather, by telling just uh, stories of ordinary people like fishermen and tax collectors and farmers and, and other ordinary people. Jesus masterfully used stories uh, to help connect people to his story. Isn't that, a, isn't, that, isn't that just a great thought? When you think about we're characters in God's story, your name is in God's story. There's some amazing scriptures about God's attitude toward you. One of them is that he knew you before you were born. He knew you uh, immediately. He has always known you. He has always known you would exist. 
that just is amazing to me that God has that kind of, uh, of knowledge and that he is that uh, God who is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent. You see, somebody needs the hope that only your story can give. Somebody needs the help that only your story can give. See, you need to understand. I want you to get this. Guys, you know, we hear a pastor preach a sermon. We hear a pastor get up, and that pastor's been to school, and he is able to break down the scriptures and make the scriptures come alive. And you guys have been so kind. You've come up to me after I've preached before and said, Pastor, that helped me so much, and I appreciate that. But what I want you to understand is that there are people who are not going to be helped by my sermons. They're only going to be helped by your story. There are people who, if you don't tell your story, may not hear the news of Jesus. They need the hope your story will give. Because, see, your story is so closely related to their story, they listen. Because they're like, hey, that's my story. See, only your story can give the help some people need, the healing. Only your story can give the encouragement that some people need and the direction. There are people who don't know where to go, which way to go, but your story would give them direction and show them what to do. Only your story is powerful enough to do that for some. So the power of your story. Everybody say, my story is powerful. Now we're going to look at the fact that uh, God wants you to believe that. He wants you to rest in that. He wants you to have confidence in that, that your story is powerful because he delivered you from sin Uh, To be very blunt and very honest and very open as we should be in the pulpits of America and across the world, you were on your way to hell, now you're on your way to heaven. That's pretty dramatic, isn't it? Amen. And so now he wants you to craft it. And that's what we're going to talk about today, crafting your story. This means that you should, again, develop it, define it, think through your story, write it out. You're going to hear me say that a lot today. doesn't matter to me how you write it out. Some of you are like, man, I just don't write. The only time I write is if I'm filling out a check or signing a document. I, I just am not a writer. Well, learn to be. Learn to be. Maybe sit down with somebody who's a good scribe, a good writer, and, and, and talk to them and let them help you write out your story. Work on this. Work on this. Define it. Write it out. Make it better. Get in front of that computer screen and pray. Pray and ask God. Say, God, you know, I want to tell my story. I I didn't know I had a story, but I got to tell you, after hearing Pastor Farrell and and just listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, I understand that maybe I can help somebody. See, you got to believe that you are not in this world just to be helped. You're in this world to be a help. You're not in this world just to receive blessing. You're in this world to be a blessing. Be a blessing by telling what Jesus has done for you. We call it, in the old days, our testimony. You know, when I'm preparing a sermon, I type out um, a manuscript. I do a full manuscript. Just to make you nervous, this particular manuscript is 10 pages. Yeah, y'all laugh nervously. Um, One thing that you'll be delighted to know is that it's in color as well. Now, when I preach, it's in color. When my staff preaches, it looks more like that. I'm just kidding. I heard they did a great job. Let's give it up for them one more time. They did a good job. Um, 
when I, was, when I, when I type my, my notes out, I leave space in between sections that I'm going to be talking about because on Thursdays when I'm at home and I'm going through my notes for the final time before I preach at the bridge on Thursday night, and for those of you who don't know, we do Sunday morning on Thursday night, and I got to tell you, this past Thursday night, it was awesome. The bridge was packed out. God was there. It was just a great, great service. Um, but as I was working on this Thursday, I just was praying and saying, God, you know, as I go through these notes, if there's something I've left out or if there's something you want me to add, and just about all the time, God will give me little thoughts and, and, and things that he wants me to say. And when I got right here, he said, I want you to tell them that, and when I say he said that, I don't mean I heard an audible voice. I just felt this in my heart. He, I want you to tell them that prayer is going to be essential in developing their story. Because, see, prayer is our connection to God. And you cannot develop your story unless God helps you develop it. You don't know what he wants you to tell. I mean, you, know, you may know what you want to tell, but he may come in with some correction and go, you know what, really, that's not as important a part of your story as this is. And if you're not praying, your story isn't going to be as powerful as it could be, so you have to pray. And when you pray, that gives the Holy Spirit a chance to talk back. See, the way we get to know people is we talk to them and they talk back to us. The way we get to know God is we talk to him and he talks back to us through his spirit and through his written word. And the people said, amen. And when you have a conversation with God like that, uh, you get to know God intimately. And um, as I was praying here, I, I wrote down this. And, and I think this is very simple, but I think it's something that can escape us if we don't really grab it. The Holy Spirit will enable you to do what you cannot do. The Holy Spirit will enable you. Some of you are going, I can't do this. I can't write out a story. And if I wrote it out, I can't tell it. I'm so shy and so insecure and I don't have much confidence. See, what you need to understand is that it isn't on you. It's on him that you have all that you need to tell it. He will enable you. He will enable you to remember he will enable you to be articulate. He will enable you to write it down the way he wants you to. As a matter of fact, um, okay, so, so he will enable you. Uh, I was looking at the meanings of the word Holy Spirit. One of them is come along beside you. And when I thought about the Holy Spirit coming along beside me, I thought about how he, he's saying, you know, Pharaoh, I don't need you. But I love you so much, I want to partner up with you. I want to partner up with you. See, when you think of the Holy Spirit as your partner, you have to think of it correctly. He doesn't need a partner. You need a partner. Amen? And it's him that you need. Now, now I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings this morning, but have you ever seen those little things on the front of the car that says, God is my co-pilot? That's so nice, but it ain't right. He don't want you to be his co-pilot. He wants you to get in the back of the plane. Matter of fact, he don't want you anywhere around the cockpit. He don't want you anywhere around the steering. He wants you to just get in the back of the plane. Because when we get our hands on the wheel, what happens? Problems. So he's not our co-pilot. He's the pilot. So go home, spray paint that thing, get a magic marker and write, God is my pilot, and put it back on there, okay? So the Holy Spirit, though, will partner with you, not because he needs a partner, but because you need a partner. And he will help you develop your 
testimony, this process of crafting your story means that you go from general impressions and general feelings to more specific, more concrete, descriptive words. Last week, again, we talked about writing it out. And probably about 90% of you sitting here have never even thought about doing that. And probably about 95% of you have never done it. I'm asking you to do it. I'm standing up here today as your pastor And I'm challenging you. I'm putting the challenge out there. I'm asking you, challenging you, calling on you to write out your story. When you write it out, listen to me. When you write it out, when you develop it, when you begin to share it with a friend and get some feedback and, and you really start refining that thing, what's the word we're using today? Crafting as you craft your testimony. See, you think God's gonna craft that testimony just to bless somebody else, but while you're working on your testimony, God's gonna be working on you. See, when you develop your testimony, it becomes a tool in the hand of God, and God will use that, listen, listen, he will use that tool on you, and he'll use that tool through you to help other people. See, when you're working on your testimony and you're praying and you're dependent on the Holy Spirit, he's going to come during that process and remind you of blessings you forgot. He's going to remind you of acts of mercy in your life you forgot about. Why? You say, well, why Why don't he just remind me? Because we're not pursuing it. See, God responds to pursuit. When you pursue knowledge, when you pursue him, when you pursue the crafting of your testimony, God responds to that and says, if you want it, I'll give it. Because in the book of James, he says, you have not because you... So he's waiting for us to come to him and say, you know what, God, I've never really given my testimony. I've really never really talked about what you've done for me. So God, I'm going to start working on that. And God will love that. He will honor that. And he will begin to help you remember stuff you forgot, ways he blessed you and ways he showed you mercy and kindness. He'll remind you of times he provided for you. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about it last night. He'll remind you of stuff he did for you and When it happened, you didn't even know it was him doing it. And he'll say, that was me. That was me. Remember when so-and-so happened? You go, yeah, that was me. I did that for you. And see, then it goes in your testimony. And And it draws you nearer to him. When you work on your testimony, when you develop your testimony, when you develop your story, he works on you before he uses your story to work on somebody else. How many times have I told you? When I'm getting up a sermon, God works on me first. He works on me first. I mean, man, I'm studying that sermon. I'm going, man, this is awesome. I don't know how many of y'all saw on Facebook. Um, I think it was Thursday or it might have been, I believe, well, it might have been Monday or Tuesday. But anyway, I was working on my sermon one day last week, and it got so good uh, to me personally that I said, if somebody will meet me at the bridge tonight, we'll go ahead and do this thing tonight. And there are times when you're going to be working on your story that you are going to say, I wish somebody was here right now. So I could tell them what God just put in my heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you guys. You guys have the wrong idea when you think God only speaks to people like Pastor Farrell and God only speaks to senior pastors and God only speaks to people who are on staff and God only speaks to people who have been Christians for a long time. Can I tell you that being a Christian a long time does not equal spiritual maturity? Amen. People, I've been in the way for 50 years. Yeah, you sure have, right in the way for 50 years. 
I'm telling you, being a Christian in a long time don't mean you're mature. And the people said, amen. amen. And so, so God pours into people who pursue him. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. You might have been saved a year or two years, and you might be more mature than the person who's been saved 20 years because in your two years, you have pursued God and pursued knowledge of God and intimacy with God in a way that person never did in their whole 20 years. Are y'all with me out there? This is good preaching right here. So God wants to work on you as he gives you your testimony. Look at this Next slide. Guys, put that next slide up there. Putting forth a prayerful effort to remember the goodness of the Lord is one of the best ways to achieve spiritual renewal and progress. Uh, how many of y'all know that a relationship with God can get stale? Can get stale. Can I tell you, and I know this is going to come as a shock to you, I know you're going to be stunned. But even when you are a preacher and a pastor and you got reverend on the front of your name and you've been to Bible college and blah, 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 you can do God things and drift away from God at the same time. Because it isn't what you do. It isn't your activity that keeps you close to God. It is your time alone with him. It is your time alone in prayer, your time alone with the word, your time alone in seeking him and fasting with him. Everybody write this scripture down if you're taking notes. I'm not going to get into it because we don't have time this morning. But I want you to write down Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Joshua 4, 1 through 8. Now, what that passage is about is how the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River. And when they crossed over the Jordan River, the Lord parted the river just like he parted the Red Sea for them. When they crossed over into the Promised Land, he parted the, the uh, Jordan River. And so they crossed over. And when they got over on the other side, in the scripture reference that I just gave to you, God speaks to them and says, I want one representative from every tribe. And how many tribes were there? 12, so that would make how many representatives? Awesome. Pick up stones and come and pile those stones. So that would be 12 stones. One of the coolest churches, uh, names for a church I found out about recently is a, a church called 12 Stone Church. I think that's a great name right there. And so, so he said, we're going to pile these stones up. He said, and when your kids see that pile of stones, they're going to, the ones who aren't born yet or the ones who are too little to remember what just happened, they're going to say, hey, what does that mean? And then you're going to get to tell the story over and over and over again. You know, I thought about this, and this is sort of a little parenthesis in my sermon today. What could we put in our home? I, I, don't, I really don't know the answer to this yet. What, what could we put in our home, out in our home, on display that would remind us of some awesome, significant work of God that was done in our family. Something maybe that is a little bit odd looking that people would go, now, now what is that? And, and it looks like it means something. What? And then you get to say, oh, I'm glad you asked. And then you get to tell their story. Isn't that a great idea? I think it's a great idea. Sometimes I'm brilliant. And uh, actually, I got it from Joshua. But um, you know, I don't know about y'all. How many of y'all grew up with them big old Bibles on the coffee table? Who remembers coffee tables? And then, and then we needed coffee tables because we needed somewhere to sit our. However, sometimes they would put a big Bible 
on there. I like big bubbles and I count it like you. You know what I'm talking about? And put big Bibles. And, uh, and um, in the Bible would be, you know, uh, little mementos and stuff like that. So I guess in a way, those big Bibles that used to sit out in our homes were, were out there to make us think about God and think about his word and maybe ask questions. And I remember as a little boy, my mom had one of those and I would turn through the pages and I would see the pictures. I love looking at the pictures of Samson, and David and Goliath and the little boy giving Jesus his bread and fish and thinking about I was a little boy and how cool that would be. You know, I remember having those thoughts and having those dreams in my mind. And uh, then I remember after I became a preacher, I was about 19 years old, and um, a church asked me to come speak, and I went to preach at that church, and one of those big, I mean, man, this thing was a humongous, it was the, it was the Mac Daddy of Bibles, and it was up there on the thing, hanging off on the side, hanging off that way. It was the biggest Bible I've ever seen in my life, so I'm trying to preach, you know, and y'all know how I move around, and I had a little Bible. And I would just sit it up there in the middle of the big Bible and I'd preach and I'd notice out of my periphery that it was sliding down. So I'd come back over and I'd push it back up and I'd preach a little bit and I'd notice it, my little Bible sliding down. So I said, hey guys, wait just a minute. And I took that little Bible and put it down there and I took the big Bible. <laughs> you know, don't you? Been there, done. I took the big Bible and I went, Kush. I might as well have gone home. Because that Bible being on that pulpit was more important than anybody coming to Jesus. So we want to have those little things in our home. I'm not against those little things, but let's don't make them idols. And the people said, amen, amen. I learned never to touch the big Bible after that. <laughs> so when we talk about your story, let's make sure we're all on the same page. I don't want there to be any confusion when I talk about you telling your story, I don't mean a story where stuff was going bad in your life and all of a sudden things turned around and started working out good for you. You know, anybody can tell little stories like that apart from God because God in his mercy and kindness even blesses people who refuse to accept him. Isn't that true? Before I knew him, before I served him, before you knew him and served him, how many of you still got three meals a day and car to drive and house to live in. You're totally ignoring him, totally ignoring the church, the Bible, everything, but he still loves you because he's so kind. He's so merciful and he's so full of goodness. So you can tell stories about times in your life when stuff wasn't going well and then your business kicked in, you started doing really good. But see, you don't really have a story that's really gonna make a difference in a person's life eternally until you've had an encounter with God. Until you've had an encounter with God and asked his son Jesus, God the Father, his son Jesus, to come into your heart. If you've not asked Jesus to come in your heart, then I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you don't really have a story yet. Now, you have some stories you can tell. I mean, you can go to Barnes & Noble tomorrow, you can go to Books A Million, and you can find all kind of stories, you know, soup for the soul, soup for the whatever. Y'all seen those soup books? Soup for everything. And... Um, you can read those positive stories, and I'm not against that. I'm not saying that's bad, but I gotta tell you something, guys. Those stories are for the here and now. I'm talking about stories that talk about a change that not only helps you now, 
but get you ready to meet God in eternity. That's the story we're talking about here. I think about ways we could be practical about it, and I think about our life groups. We've got about 28 life groups, 29 life groups, and and we want more life groups, and we'd love for you to help us develop our life group ministry. These are groups that meet in homes. Some of them meet weekly, some of them meet um, twice a month, some of them meet once a month. It's up to the group how often they want to meet, and we would love to have more life groups, and if you have put in your name to be in a life group and you haven't heard anything back, keep putting it in, keep putting it in, keep talking about it, send emails, call us up, and uh, we want to develop our life group ministry. But I thought about when I was um, preparing this message, what a great way to develop our story. If you're in a life group, you know, you could have a time in your life group meeting where it's your story time. And you could allow somebody in your small group to share their story at the end of the meeting or whenever you want to, just five minutes or 10 minutes, say, uh, you know, Bob and Sue are gonna share their story with us tonight. That's a good way to develop it because see, it isn't enough just to write it down, you need to do it, you need to speak it. It's like uh, becoming a preacher and I mentioned this last week, you can study preaching all you want to and prepare sermons all you want to, but you're not gonna learn to be a preacher till you preach. And you're not gonna learn to tell your story no matter how much you work on it, you're not going to learn to tell it till you tell it. So I encourage our, our small group leaders to include that in their, in their life group meetings. See, if you're, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, now I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, I, and, and I, I hope you won't receive it that way, but if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't have a story yet don't have a story. Now, you can tell stories, but you can't tell the one that's going to change people for eternity until you meet Christ. But you're in a safe place today because we, we all understand who we are. I love what Kathy said in her testimony. Kathy, she's back there. She said, broken, we're broken. All of us sitting here around you today, those of you who haven't received Jesus Christ yet as your personal Savior, maybe you're investigating him, you're checking him out, that's fine. We're thrilled to have you. We're glad you're here because all of us used to be where you are, every one of us. But the thing I love, one of the things I love about Whitley Church, one of the things I love about the bridge is that we, I believe, have created a safe environment for people to come to Jesus. You can come to Jesus in your seat. You can come up here after the service. We will pray with you. You can make a decision before I finish this sermon to follow Jesus. You're in a safe place. You're in a place where nobody's going to judge you. You're in a place where, boy, I remember the old days, somebody'd come to the altar and give their heart to Jesus, and we were sitting right there with a, a list of 600 rules. You got to start going by these rules. Right? Y'all remember those days? You know, cut this off and grow that out. Got all kind of rules for you now that you're a Christian. We don't have those rules. We just give you a Bible. We tell you to pursue Jesus. Pursue his word. But see, you're in a place today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, it's wise for you to be here because you're surrounded, ladies and gentlemen, by story after story after story of people who were on their way to an eternity without Jesus, but they had an encounter with him, and now they have a story. And not only that, but you're surrounded by Bible stories. We tell Bible stories in this church all the time. Speaking of Bible stories, you know, when somebody gives their heart to Christ, they'll come to me sometimes and they'll go, 
Which book of the Bible should I read first? Now that I'm a new Christian, I'm a little baby in Jesus, which book of the Bible should I read first? I always tell them to go to the Gospel of John because the Gospel of John is filled with stories of life change. I like these folks who come up to me after they're saved, after they give their heart to Jesus and go, man, I'm going right straight for the jugular. I'm going to Revelation. (laughs) And I always tell them, if you figure out everything that book's talking about, would you come and share with me, please? Uh, Because it is a book that I believe we won't fully comprehend until we get to heaven. I have my thoughts about it, and I believe I'm right, and I believe I'll be proved to be right when I get to heaven, but... Um, what did I tell you all about my opinion? Two things, humble and accurate, exactly. Um, so, so let's just walk through John and look at a couple of stories of life change. John 4, in John 4, there's a woman at the well. I love this story. I love this story because the disciples told Jesus prior to this event that he didn't have time to go by and see this woman. Can you imagine looking at Jesus and going, I know you want to go, but I got to tell you, man, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my uh, droid here, <laughs> and I'm looking at the calendar, and we just don't have time. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, we're going through Samaria. Jesus went through Samaria, and he met the woman at the well. And there at the well, this woman came to get a drink of water, but what she got was a life change. He looked at her and said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right, you don't have a husband, but you've had five. And I bet she went, am I on camera here, (laughs) you know? He said, said, you've had five and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. And she melted before him and had an encounter with Jesus and her life was changed forever. Now I want you to look at John 4 and 28. Look what it says. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone and the part in parentheses is are my words but I think it's accurate she went back telling everyone what happened at the well she told everyone what her story her encounter with Jesus she came for water but left with life change now look at verse 29 and and it'll give you a quick synopsis of her story come and see a man who told me everything I ever did could he possibly be the Messiah. Now, when she told her story, look at the result in the next verse. The people came what? Streaming from the village to. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you that every time you tell your story, they're not going to come streaming from the village to see him. But I'll tell you this your story will play a part in bringing them to Jesus. See, sometimes I get to tell my story and it doesn't look like anything happens. I got to tell you, man, sometimes I preach here and I go, man, I don't even know if I connected today. I don't know if anybody got what I was saying. I don't know if anybody picked up on what I was trying to say. But see, I don't have to worry about the results. I just have to obey God. And then God takes my message and he works it in the life of a person. And then maybe there's somewhere else. And they hear a song, and God uses that song. Then maybe they're somewhere else, and somebody witnesses to them at work. And, and, and all of us as Christians working together, sharing our story and testimony, sharing our story in a skit, sharing our story in a video clip, sharing our story in a song. After a while, that person's life is so impacted by the stories they've heard 
they say, I want Jesus in my life. I believe this with all my heart. I believe there are people, when you get to heaven, and I could be totally wrong because I have no scripture for this, but I like, I, I'm gonna believe this anyway, all right? I believe there'll be people who come up to you and thank you in heaven and tell you that you had a role in bringing them to Jesus. Though they, didn't, though they didn't come to Jesus, at the moment you sowed into their life, you were a part of a network of people that brought them to Jesus. Does that make sense? So see, we gotta be obedient, guys. We've gotta be obedient. Look at it. The woman had a life-changing, spiritual, eternally significant encounter with Jesus. She went and told it, and then they came to Jesus. And then in John 5, there's a healing encounter. And I love this one. There's this guy and he's all down on himself and telling why he can't be. Have you ever talked to somebody who you can't really get to the good news because they really love talking about the bad news? You ever met anybody like that? Don't point, don't point. I mean, I've met people like that. It's like uh, Vance Havner said he was praying with a lady in his office one time and he kept telling her, well, let's pray. Let's take this to God. And she goes, wait, wait, wait. I got more I want to tell you. I got more bad stuff I want to tell you. And finally he said, we're going to pray. And she said, has it come to that? <laughs> Some people love their bad story. They don't want the good story because the bad story gets them attention. The bad story gets them pity. Now all of them go to the bridge and come to the second service on Sunday. But you know what I'm talking about. But this guy was kind of like that. And finally Jesus looked at him and asked him this question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And finally, the guy was like, well, well, yeah, you know. Jesus said, stand up. Stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and walk. You know what, guys? And I don't, I, I'm probably pulling this totally out of context right here. But you know, sometimes you've got to just stop whining and get up. Mm-hmm. You just got to, I know it's bad. I, we got that. We got that. You've told us 48,000 times how bad it is. Sometimes you got to just, you say, well, I, I'm telling you, you just don't know how. I know what my God said. I know what my God promised. And I know my God doesn't want you living down there. And so you need to just get up sometimes and go, you know what? I'm not staying down here. We don't always have the choice of getting up physically, but we can get up emotionally and spiritually, no matter what happens physically. Amen, amen? The next one's in John 8. I love this story, too. It's a forgiveness encounter, a forgiveness encounter. So I don't know what kind of story you got, but this lady had a forgiveness story. This is a woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, if you really study this passage in John 8, there are many very good Bible scholars who believe that there's a real possibility that she was set up for this, that she was set up. Not that she didn't bear responsibility, but that she was set up. They knew her past. They knew her life. They knew she was not a follower uh, of the things of God, and so they set her up. Maybe she was very poor. Maybe she had children she had to feed, and they set her up in this situation very possibly, and so she is caught in the act of adultery, caught in the very act of it. So now she's brought out in front of the community to be condemned and stoned to death. This was a church business meeting. I've seen churches that were more excited about kicking somebody out than they were accepting somebody in. 
People are surrounding her with rocks, and Jesus speaks up and goes, whoop, time out. I know the Old Testament says this, but I tell you what, I tell you what let's do today. The one who doesn't have any sin, you get us started. Now, I don't know what they said, but sometimes Christians will cuss on you. I'm telling you right now. I'm not saying these guys were Christians. They weren't followers of Jesus. They didn't know him. But they were religious people. They were church people. Y'all with me out there? So Jesus says, Jesus says, you who have no sin, you go ahead and stone, get her going. Get the stoning going. They're ragging, snagging, bragging, ragging. And they're throwing their rocks down, walking away. Because they knew. And you know what? I don't think they would have ever thrown those rocks down if they didn't know in their heart of hearts that he knew. I mean, why would they? I mean, they could look at him and go, no, I don't have any sin, you know, and just start throwing them. But somehow, they knew that he was who he claimed to be, and they knew he knew about their sin, and they walked away. Y'all with me out there? And Jesus looked at her and said, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And I can see her all down in that fetal position, look up. Shame, shame. She says, no, Lord. And then he, I can just see, will you permit my imagination here? I just think he takes her face in his hands because I think she just wants to look down and she doesn't want to look at him. He just holds her face up and looks in her eyes and says, and neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amazing encounter with Jesus. You think she told that story to anybody? Sure she did. And then there was a miracle encounter in John 9. I love this story. I love how Jesus does stuff in the Bible. And I love how these deep theologians try to figure it out. Jesus walks up to this guy who's blind and he can't see. And so Jesus is going to heal him. And the guy says, I want healing in my life. I want this miracle of healing in my life. So Jesus spits in the mud and makes a mud pie and rubs it in his face. Now, I got to tell you, when I, when I saw that, I was like, well, let me see what the big Bible scholars say. And they're just trying to say, you know what I think? Can I just say what I think? And Lord, if I'm not right about this, just chalk it up to, you know, who I am. But I'm always missing it. But I just think Jesus was like, I'm going to do this thing with the spit and the mud, and I'm not going to have any reason for doing it, and I'm going to make all these Bible scholars go nuts trying to find out why I did it. <laughs> and I'm just going to do it because I'm Jesus, you know? <laughs> How many of you know Jesus can do anything he wants to? <laughs> and uh, he spit in that mud, and he made a little mud pine rubbing his eyes, and, and then that guy could see, which was the greatest news, but the second greatest news came right after that when Jesus said, you can go wash that out. That was good news, too. How many of you think that guy may have gone and told that story? See, you're going to have a lot of stories. And some of your stories are going to be to other Christians. But listen to me. The most important story you will tell is to the person who doesn't know Christ. That's, see, you're going to have a bunch of stories in your, in your portfolio you know, I've got the story of battling cancer and how God touched me, and I, I use that story sometimes. I've got, a, I've got the story of, of family issues that we've gone through and how God's made a way. I've got the story of financial issues and how God made a way.
But my most important story I tell is the story I use to talk about how you need to come to Jesus. There's nothing more important than that. See, when, when you have encounters with Jesus, it teaches you about the character of God. When you have encounters with Jesus, they point you to God. What kind of encounters have you had with God? What were they like? You ever sat down and just wrote about the different stories, the different testimonies of your life? So what is the way we craft this? Praying, asking God to help us, meditating on the encounters we've had with God, asking him to help us remember details and things that we had forgotten that he did for us. This is how we craft our story. What was it like before Jesus? How did I come to Jesus? What has it been like since Jesus? And see, once you've gone through this simple process, now you've got something to share. Now you've got something to tell somebody. Doesn't have to be as intense and dramatic as other people for it to have impact. So everybody say this with me. My story has power and I'm going to craft it. And I'm going to tell it. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking, please. Do you know him? I don't mean do you know about him. I don't mean do you know Bible stories. I don't mean have you seen a Bible play like an Easter play or a Christmas play and you know things about him. I'm asking you, do you have a relationship with him? Because if you have not come to him and admitted that, then you do not have the relationship with him. Remember, you are separated from the kingdom of God. So if you want to tell your story, the most important story, the biggest story, the most impactful story, then you need to come to Jesus this morning. You need to make a decision in this service right now at this time that you're going to become a follower of Christ. Right there where you are. And we're not going to, we're not going to set some kind of mood in the room. We're not going to play sad organ music and make you march down here in front of everybody. Just right there where you are. Just right there sitting in the chair right now. I want you to have the thought that says, you know what, I'm not going any further without Jesus in my life. I'm not going any further. I want you to say to yourself, I've been making all kinds of excuses and I've been putting God off and I've been afraid I couldn't do it. I've been afraid I would try and fail. But I'm stepping out by faith today. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I know he died for me and I accept his death for me. Jesus rose from the dead so that I could have life. And today I say to you, Jesus, risen from the dead, come into my heart, come into my life, come into my heart, save me today. I open the door of my heart, I open the door of my life, and I ask you, sir, to come in and become my Lord and Master and Savior because I know I have a story that's gonna help people. But without you, my story only helps people temporarily. I want that story that will help people eternally. So I invite you into my heart today as my personal savior. I receive you right now. No more delay. I receive you now, Lord Jesus, as my savior. 
My sins are forgiven. I have a new life in Jesus. If you prayed that prayer today, and you know he heard you, and you know he has moved in your life, you don't understand all the details, but you prayed that today from the bottom of your heart, and you know he heard you, and you've had a life change today. Will you just slip your hand up? Just slip it up real quick. Put it right back down. Just slip it up real quick. Everybody look at me. Here's what we got to do today. We got to go tell our story. Can you imagine what would happen to this county? Can you imagine what would happen to Johnston County and Wayne County if everybody from the bridge and everybody who attends Whitley Church would go out and tell their story? We would revolutionize our community. And one day you're going to stand before God. Listen, listen. And he's going to ask you if you told your story. I hope you can say yes. Go home. Get alone with God and craft your story. And the people said, now if you're visiting with us today, we have a gift for you right over here. If you wanna know more about Jesus, God, Bible, church, there's a packet right over here on this side. If you would like to have prayer, we're going to have prayer for those who would like to have prayer right up here around the altar today. I'm gonna to ask the Lennox if they will to come. And we're going to pray over them, and I'd like some of my prayer team and others to come, and we're going to pray over the Lannick family today.